Hello, and welcome to How Many Geese. He's Jack Baddams. And he's Roddy Shaw. And if you're looking for a podcast about nature that doesn't take itself too seriously, then we are The Natural Selection. On today's show... This guy's the oh. monkey god. He once accidentally ate the sun, which he mistook for a fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Why is our religion so boring? Yeah. Lou Hopper, Roddy Shaw. How many tiger sharks is too many tiger sharks? What Ace. animal would be selling human leather? Oh, oh that's weird. That's- <laughs> it might be quite an interesting topic to have a little chat about how differently different species of animals are perceived in different cultures Mm. and by different types of people as lucky or unlucky because there's so many that are considered both depending on where you're from and I just find that really interesting. Right now I can never get this the right way around. (laughs) What's a black cat supposed to be? So most people will say unlucky but I know just as many people who consider it lucky. I think it's your opinion mm. on cats more okay. than anything well, else. Yeah, so I, I love them, so yeah. I count it as lucky. And yeah. when you're basing things in logic, why would a black cat be unlucky? Yeah. But I guess it was supposed to be a symbol of like like a bad omen mm. at one point, or who knows, it could have been like a, a myth that got out of control or even something from a book that became collective knowledge that's not quite correct. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've got some stuff on this. Yeah. Because trying to exactly get to the bottom of why cats were unlucky and everything like that, and animal symbolism in general, because, mm-hmm. of course, we are joined by Lou, who does a lot of tattoos, and, well, she does tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> as a hobbyist, does a lot of tattoos. She does tattoos. And uh, so symbolism and animals, as we've already mentioned. So in trying to look into it, I wanted to start at the beginning. And really going back, animals first pop up as symbolism in ancient myths and legends mm. as gods and everything like that. So looking at some of them, I wanted to start with just some animals from gods. And I have got stuff on why black cats became unlucky, which is great. (laughs) Going back to ancient Egypt, of course, gods were worshipped. They had... Because when you are thinking of animals as gods, I don't know about you guys, but ancient Egypt really pops into my mind. Mm-hmm. Anubis. Anubis, dog head. Bastet yeah. was the cat god. Oh. And she's got her head as a cat and the rest of her. Which was the the one with the ibis? Was that Thoth? Thoth. 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 <laughs> Who, yeah. I think he was like the scribe for the underworld because he had a book of the dead and he's always seen with the writing mm. writing into it. I think he like wrote the names in and everything like that. Yeah. But Bastet starts in ancient Egypt and cats there are worshipped as we know. And we think one of the reasons being because they can control vermin, but also for Egypt, um, controlling cobras. Oh. So that's a great reason to like cats, I think, if you're living in a pretty cobra-infested place and cats come along and start mopping them up. But I did come across (laughs) one ancient Egyptian god, which I hadn't heard of before, but I really quite liked. So this is Babi. Right. And here's a picture of Babi there for the two of you, and he's basically the baboon (gasps) god. Oh! I didn't realise that what it was called, but I'm familiar with the iconography. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to read this out. Lesser known than his more famous cousins, Anubis or Sekhmet, who I didn't know, (laughs) but there we go. Babi was a bloodthirsty deity and the alpha of all baboons, animals noted for their anger and sexual activity. (laughs) And this is where Babi really starts coming into his own. Greatly respected for his own strength, as well as his virility, ancient Egyptian males who wished to, and this is a lovely phrase, shall we say, continue to give their wives full salutes in the afterlife, (laughs) would pray to Babi. 
His phallus was said to adorn the doors of the kingdom of heaven, as well as functioning as the mast for the underworld ferry. So you've got to, like, jack him off to get into heaven? Exactly. Wow. Apparently so. Or if you're on the ferry to the underworld. <laughs> the mast? What? As in, like... Holding what? up the sails. So, I mean, Babby was packing <laughs> by the sound of it. So does that make them door knobs? Hey. Oh, oh. It just doesn't start. No, I can't. Sorry. I don't, I don't turn it up. <laughs> well, neither did Babby by the sound of it. Babby's diet consisted entirely of the entrails of the dead, a task he relished thanks to his nature. He would even blah, 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 eat the souls of the unrighteous, and he was prone to murder without provocation. <laughs> I think this might be my spirit animal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, because if you're prone to murder without provocation, <laughs> I now feel much less at ease. <laughs> Locked in very small. Yeah. So that was Babby, Babby and the ancient it. Egyptians. And, and Babby, just to describe what he looks like, he is just a giant baboon. He's just a squat, fat baboon. It's not, it's not like um, the other ones we've spoken about where it's the head of an animal on a human body. It's just a giant baboon. They're in... Uh, yes, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say hard and fast because I'm not an ancient Egyptologist, <laughs> but I think he's just a big baboon okay. with a massive dick. <laughs> Another ancient god which I liked, and now we're going over to Native America, is the coyote. Mm-hmm. And over there, the coyote was seen as the trickster god. And I think in doing this, you start to work out, because trying to look into why are some gods uh, lucky or why are some animals lucky, why are some animals unlucky, it's usually to do with how they actually it's their behavior. exist in the world. Right, yeah. right, right. So the coyote was the trickster god. And he was also popular, though, for his efforts to aid humans, usually against the will of the other gods. And similar to Prometheus, who was the Greek who stole fire from the gods, uh, the coyote did something similar, but I just really like the way it was phrased here because the coyote liberated the salmon from the gods. (laughs) (laughs) What do the gods want all the salmon for? For the benefit of mankind. (laughs) Sometimes, though, he could be a pest, and once he stole the moon. (laughs) 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 And lastly, on animal gods interacting with celestial bodies is we're now going over to India and Hinduism, and we've got Hanuman, who is one of only three major Hindu gods with animal characteristics. The other one people might know is Ganesh, the big elephant, mm-hmm. and the other one I didn't work out. <laughs> He's the monkey god. Yeah. Uh, so this guy's the oh. monkey god, and he would slowly strip the powers from other gods, did a load of other stuff, but again, he once accidentally ate the sun, which he mistook <laughs> for a fruit. <laughs> Why is our religion so boring yeah. <laughs> in this country why is being Christian so dull what you find in working out why some gods are lucky why some are unlucky is because they start as something ancient millennia ago with the in- interpretations of the animal mm. so usually nocturnal animals get the short yeah. end of the stick because we didn't fully understand them like owls like although we now really like owls we think they're wise we think they're really really cute in a lot of cultures owls are really demonised um, mm. and they're seen as these terrible creatures of the night there's somewhere where if an owl lands on your house then it's an omen of death and all that sort of stuff kind of like the eye eye in Madagascar like yes. it's steeped in superstition and everyone thinks it's like the harbinger of doom yes tell us about the eye eye okay so it's native to Madagascar mm-hmm. and a nocturnal animal with an extremely elongated finger for yeah. fishing around under bark for grubs and uh, little bug snacks and it does have a bit of an unusual appearance it's a rather shabby looking thing it's really thing. ugly and uh, so much so 
that it's local belief that they are really unlucky because they are so horrific to look at mm. that uh, they're very off-putting and people assume that they would bring bad luck and curse you yeah. if you come across them it was yeah a message of bad tidings but I personally think they're awesome they're, <laughs> they're really cool they're incredible animals and they use that really long finger and they, they they've tap. got massive ears yeah, yeah. And, and they tap on the bark and they're listening for the echoes coming back off the deadwood where the grubs that they're hiding and they stick this really long finger in and wheedle out the, the grub larvae to eat but they are really scary looking things what was the word in Madagascar there's a word in, for like a curse a or faddy. a faddy that faddy. was it so it's Madagascan for taboo so eyes are considered a faddy mm. but in some villages because I was looking into this as well we have the thing that they're, they're a bad omen mm-hmm. which isn't wrong but we're starting to work out that some villages actually like them because they eat pest grubs or they might notice that there is a benefit to having them there. But in a lot of places, yeah, they are killed and they hang them up outside the villages. Entire villages will relocate if an I.I. comes into the village. <laughs> miles so away. Extreme. The whole place will pack up and leave because they are seen as a symbol of death. Yeah. And one of the thoughts behind why they became this symbol of death is because one of their favourite foods are the seeds from a thing called the rami tree. And the rami tree just also happens to be left alone to grow huge where people bury their dead. Uh, There's an association uh, there. And so what happens is you end up almost with these tribal graveyards where because of the association with the dead, this tree gets protected and it becomes faddy to chop down the tree where you know your ancestors mm. are. But then all the I I move in because then there's all these seeds. So then so they're associated with death. you end up with almost these so graveyards cool. <laughs> that all the I I's are kind of moving into and where they're seen. So that is possibly where the link comes yeah. from. I also found out looking into them that they've recently discovered that they're evolving a sixth digit. What? So not only do they have the spindly finger, which, yep, and is completely unique, it's got a ball and socket joint in the middle of it yeah. that they can tap really, really quickly and so they are listen they to. Just like getting a super hench thumb now. Okay. <laughs> it's called the pseudo thumb. Really? Yes. I was totally joking so I could make a bad joke about thumb wars with my eyes, but because <laughs> at the moment we've got an opposable thumb, but the eye eyes basically don't and the thumb is pretty much in line with everything else and they think that is because its hands went the way of being incredibly delicate spindly devices. Mm-hmm. It sort of lost the need for a chunky opposable thumb. And now what they're finding is there's a bone just at the base of their hand, which is starting to like protrude and come up. But the reason they really think it's doing something is because they've worked out there are muscles in the forearm that attach to this bone ah. and it can like move cartilage on the top so of it. It's the beginnings so it's of the beginnings of a new little thumb possibly That's popping cool. out. So as well as being nocturnal bat-like gremlins with rodent teeth that never stop yes. growing, they're the only primate to find its food with echolocation. All of these weird things they've got going on already, and now a new thumb. Things in the night do get a, a really rough deal, don't they? Whether it's owls oh, or... Such a shame, because they're some of my favourites oh, yeah. as well. well. Bats. Like bats, yeah. Like <laughs> bats. People in this country hate bats. I love them so much. I've got one tattooed over my kneecap. Have you? Yeah. Is it is it a particular species or it is it? It is a common vampire bat. I just love their scruffy little faces. Yeah. Anything like I love how weird bats are and how varied they are and their little scoop noses and yes, ruffled so ears and oh, all of them. I, I'm just fascinated by them. They're so cool. 
when I was a kid growing up in the countryside in Devon, we had a huge pond in our garden and it would just sit in the evenings watching the bats come That's down cool. to drink. And we had quite an old rickety roof and a massive laurel hedge all the way around the mm. um, outside of the garden. And uh, they were roosting in our like garage and the eaves of the house. And yeah, ever since I was a kid, I've just like found yeah. them really cute. <laughs> They're really, really I don't cool. get why people are scared of certain things. I, but. Yeah, once again, I think it's the night. I think it's... It's the things that go bump in the night. Yeah. You're both familiar with night jars. Yeah. The birds. So these are... I don't know how to describe what a night jar looks like. It looks like a log, basically, that's got wings and can fly around. <laughs> it's very highly camouflaged. We should also probably say they're about six to eight inches long. It's not an actual log. It's not like a fallen bough of a mighty oak. Yes. Their Latin name, Caprimulgus, is born out of this ancient belief that they, it literally translates to goat sucker, that they would attach to the teats of goats, suck all the milk out, the goat would then get sick and die. And they were ruthlessly persecuted throughout medieval Europe for these beliefs that they were omens of Which is crazy because they're insectivores and it's probably only come from the fact that they have wide mouths. Exactly. <laughs> they have big, wide open mouths that they use just like a swallow or just like a swift for catching but insects on the way. But not for swallowing nipples. not for swallowing nipples, no. But they, yeah, they, they were ruthlessly persecuted and believed as omens of death for not only livestock, but also, you know, they had some fantastic names like um, things like gabble ratchet and lich fowl and all these horrible things that people used to call night jars because they fly around at night and they make weird noises. They make really weird churring noises and like kind of ethereal noises that start happening at twilight. And yeah, people are not a fan of things that go bump in the night, as you say, Roddy. I wanted to get to the bottom of why cats became bad luck omens because in some bits in Russia they're all good omens even the black cats and Germany has if it goes from and I can't remember which right to left it's good and left to right it's bad Uh all of these very weird things surrounding black cats but cats in general in the medieval period went from being revered in ancient Egypt to suddenly associated with witches and witchcraft Mm. but looking into it I just found out so it's going on they became associated with the devil and this and witchcraft but trying to find out why I couldn't get to But what I did find was that in the Black Death, the 1300s, people thought it was associated with cats and so started persecuting cats. Now, this is double stupid because (laughs) the Black Death was spread about by rats. Ah, fleas, actually. The the fleas on the rats, yeah. yeah. But, you know... (laughs) The cats are are controlling the rats. They killed all the, you know, and that obviously worked out bad for them. But it seemed to actually come from a little bit before that... And it's because Pope Gregory the Ninth, my favourite Pope, yes, my favourite Gregory, <laughs> <laughs> issued a bull between 1232 and 1234, which was describing the activities of a devil cult, right? Right. And this, we think, is why cats went from good to bad. God damn it, Gregory. I know, he just ruined it for everyone. But this is the account of the occult cult, <laughs> as written by Gregory the Ninth. Afterwards, they... Does, s- um... Pope Gregory the Ninth speak like you, Roddy? I knew you. (laughs) (laughs) How does Pope Gregory the Ninth speak, Jack? I'll leave that up to your artistic interpretation. (sighs) I mean, he was probably like Italian or something. I can't do that. Just old-timey will do. (laughs) Afterwards, they sit down to a meal, and when they have arisen from it, the certain statue, which is usually in the set of this kind, a black cat shall descend backwards with its tail erect, First the novice of the group, then the master, then each one of the order who are worthy and perfect, kiss the cat on its buttocks. (laughs) (laughs) 
Then each returns to their place. Speaking certain responses, they incline their heads towards the cat. Forgive us, says the master, and the next one to him repeats this. A third responding, we know, master, and a fourth says, we must obey. And this is devil worship. This is Gregory IX's account of devil worship. He had a load of people sat down after a meal, and a black cat would walk backwards to them. They'd all kiss its arsehole, then thank the cat. And from that point on, <laughs> cats became associated wow. with devil worship, witchcraft. Wow. Were these people burned at the stake for kissing cat butts? Mm. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, it sounded as well that they, they would, in France, they would just throw crates of cats onto burning oh, bonfires no. and laugh oh, I as can't they... hear that. I oh, know. It was anarchy in the Middle Ages. Yeah. It was the level of bloodthirstiness yeah. is insane with what they were doing over there. That's pretty bad. I'd like to know what he wh- what he was told. Because obviously he's not what had first... What was his source? Yeah, that, that's, it. That's, okay. that's the word I'm looking for. What was his source? Yeah. Like, he's not had first-hand experience of that, obviously, because that's not anything that it's has ever happened. some yeah. guy, like, on his payroll is going, I'm going to have some fun. <laughs> and it's, like, completely screwed cats over for the rest of time. For the rest of time. Exactly. I'm going yeah. to tell Gregory, like, this sort of thing. Yeah. See, see if he can believe it. He's well gullible. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's so Aww. much more gullible than Gregory the Eighth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a shame. I mean, I personally regard black cats as lucky. And the first ever studio I ever opened, I named the Black Cat because oh. it was, uh, yeah, personal to me. I love them. Mm. Well, speaking of lucky animals, of course, not everything has the bad press from Gregory the Ninth. Some things have great press. In China, we already mentioned bats, but there. China, um, I was going to say, respects bats. I mean, I guess they do respect bats, but they view them as lucky. And Mm -hmm. the reason is because the Chinese symbol for luck and bats are only one stroke different. So whereas almost everything else can be traced back to the behavior of the animal, like the eye eyes in the graveyard Mm -hmm. or some anecdote which got at hand, like kissing cat arseholes, (laughs) bats being lucky in China seems to be almost a linguistic... It's just the word is... Just a coincidence. ...dead close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not maybe not so much at the minute though. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, they're not having a great time. <laughs> the relationship is strained. <laughs> Ch- change to it's complicated yeah. on Facebook. Other lucky animals. We've got the crane, which mm. in China and Japan viewed as very lucky, viewed as a symbol of longevity, thought yes. to live for over a thousand years. That- crane lifespan about thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, did you say they're see, seen as um, the fact that they pair bond? Did you say something something about that? Yeah. All of those traits of yeah. mating for life, being together, raising their young, mm. presents a very lucky animal. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other end of the spectrum, you've got looking like a goblin, having a tappy <laughs> finger, big bat ears, hanging around graveyard, the poor eye eye. They ends only up. get like the one night stands. Yeah, they're not sticking around. Although you say that, that long finger is great for swiping. No. <laughs> great for something else as well, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> Doing the research and Googling the things we do for this podcast, yeah. I came across II sex anecdotes. Excellent hitters. They. <laughs> The male and female will lock in place and sessions will last up to an hour. Wow, okay. Lucky lady. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's clearly sending some stuff up to Babby. (laughs) (laughs) The last one I think I've got on lucky side of things is rabbit's feet. Yeah. What's that all about? So, 
weirdly, a lot of superstitions, or certainly when I think of superstitions, you do think of some kind of ancient, everything we've been talking about, starting with a myth or a legend or a god or all the rest, and cats being from the Middle Ages and Pope Gregory the Ninth. Rabbits making their way into superstition actually only seems to have happened in the last few hundred years. Okay. And we're not 100% on the whites because there's both rabbit's foot being viewed as lucky and apparently, and I've never heard this before, but people will just say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit on the first day of the month to bring Oh, I've heard good of that luck. one. I haven't heard of that. Have you? Yeah, I've heard of that one, but that so a, long ago I'd kind of forgotten that was it, even a thing. Is yeah. it a Devon thing? Maybe. I, I don't Maybe. think I've heard of that. It's a lot of weird no, stuff goes on yeah. down there. And so references to the rabbit's feet being lucky seem to pop up around the 19th century, so the, the oh, late really? 1800s. Okay, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And this rabbit, 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 the first recording of that is written in 1909. So really kind of modern that it just come in. Now, I should say that it's possibly, when we're talking about coming in modern, that could just be into a written-down yeah. Western sense. Because yeah. even though rabbit's feet are seen to be lucky in Europe, China, Africa and North and South America, there's also a thinking that it could have come over from existing African traditions with mm. the slave trade because it's linked quite closely, I think, to voodoo and oh. voodoo. And so it sort of went from Africa maybe to the Americas and then got exported from the Americas to everywhere else with the rabbit's feet. Mm. But the earliest written recording is this kind of 1800s period. The weird thing which I quite liked about this was that it gets quite specific on how the rabbit has to die. Oh. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, no. And variations say that in order to have luck, the rabbit must have been killed under a particular set of circumstances, and this could be a place or by a particular person or by a cross-eyed man. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not killed under these, it doesn't get the luck. Who's making these rules? This is Pope Gregory the Ninth yeah. again. It's yeah. got here all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has to be either a Friday or a rainy Friday or Friday the 13th, either with a full moon or a new moon, <laughs> so there's a lot of specifics, yeah. but as you add more specifics, it becomes increasingly general. <laughs> because it starts as one Friday, and then it becomes, well, basically any Friday. Um, but I love that it needs to be a cross-eyed man. Now, what were the other things you could kill it with? It could be a cross-eyed man, a bend in the river, Friday, rainy Friday, Friday the 13th, with a silver bullet. Has to be the back left foot in some oh. instances can't be other ones but there was existing even though it may have come over from a pre-existing African voodoo mm -hmm. thing with the rabbit specifics when it got to Europe they think it got tied in with this thing called the hand of God mm -hmm. which was an existing medieval practice mm -hmm. that you would dry and pickle the left hand of a hanged man oh and then make a candle out of his fat <laughs> And that would just be a thing. <laughs> See, that sounds way more cult-like to me than yeah, yeah. cat kissing. That would be lucky. Yeah. That's yeah. lucky. That, no, that, that was... Well, it didn't, I didn't quite get the point of it, to be honest. It was like a thing they did, and they just said, if you lit the candle, everyone in the room would become motionless. That seemed to be... In some instances, it was said it could unlock any door. I mean, imagine a dead, dried-up hand, and the fingers are closed almost like a fist, and it acts as a candle holder. They basically, you know if you're, like, messing around with school and you're like, uh-huh, middle finger, and yeah. you're like a biro coming up <laughs> there. That's what they do with this candle. So it just looks like a weird, creepy, dried hand okay, so with technically, a candle middle finger. If you took this, like, fat candle mm -hmm. and put it in a dry monkey paw, mm -hmm. you would have, like, 
an extra the special, ultimate. yeah, the yeah. ultimate oh, sort of like another thing. cursed yeah. item. Cursed yeah. item. Yeah. And you said the, the, the hand can be used to unlock doors. Well, yeah. Because this is the thing. Right, right. A lot of these things. Hands can be used to unlock all, doors. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All you, every door. Yeah, every <laughs> I feel like all you need to do is try these things once. Yeah. You know, they light the candle and then the person who's lit the candle steps back and all of a sudden the idea that everybody in the room becomes motionless is a bit, <laughs> is a bit bollocks. Yeah. Whereas the look thing is more, look is completely a human perception of things happening. Yeah, It's like, oh, this, I forget about all the other things that conveniently don't fit my, you know, my mm. idea of look. But because I had this, my rabbit foot round my neck at this day, that's why this thing happened. Yeah. Um, no, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah, because when it said it could unlock any door, you just think, well, did you even try once? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, how, how did you leap to that? Yeah. And with the, on that, you know, testing things and all the rest, the cats having nine lives, I was going through a website of, you know, like, oh, superstitions which aren't real, and it just says cats don't have nine lives. <laughs> we know this from experimentation. No! I was like, how? Oh, my God, cats again, such a bad deal on this episode. <laughs> Last superstition I had about animals, which I quite liked, and I know you're going to jump on this when you put it together, yeah. is a bird caught... So the Maoris of New Zealand seemingly have a superstition around this mysterious bird called, but it would terrify people because they thought it was a giant bird mm. which could take away humans. Now, I'm sure you might be able to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the eagle. Well, no, because well. the bird the bird legend has... I think it was Hakariki. It had its own mythological animal with, like, the oh. Maoris of today. This is it. So today... Well, I'm, I mean, I say today, you know, I get we're in the 21st century or yes. whatever, but, like, the legend has kind of, as in today's interpretation or whatever, is this big, mythical, scary bird mm. which takes people away and this mysterious call. Now... The call has been studied, and it's a snipe 20 centimetres long. <laughs> <laughs> so the particular bird that's making this particular noise has been found and disproven. Yeah. But the legend surrounds a giant bird which can take people away. Right, which will be linked to, I imagine. So back in New Zealand, when people turned up, you had... Well, so first of all, you had the mower. Have you heard about the mower? Yeah. So you got this bird that's bigger than an ostrich, absolutely massive, walked around uh, and eventually was hunted to extinction by um, people colonising New Zealand. Do you know about the eagle that hunted the mower? Yeah, it was like basically a giant golden eagle. Yeah. <laughs> like so, humongous. Yeah, so the Haast eagle was this giant eagle that seemingly specialised on hunting the mower, of which there were a few different species. Were they also called elephant birds? No, so the, the mower? No, so the oh, elephant bird one. is a separate species oh. from Madagascar. And that is the one that um, Attenborough's got, like an egg that's been all pieced together because their eggs were so... I can't remember how many hundreds of years ago they died out, but their eggs were so solid that you can find the fragments of the eggshell just in the sand in Madagascar. And put them back together. And one of Attenborough's early expeditions out there is he puts... <laughs> he painstakingly puts together and rebuilds this giant elephant bird egg. But that was one of the many, sadly, megafauna things we lost from Madagascar, like the lemur the size of a gorilla you, that we also made extinct too. And you know that was early Attenborough as well, that he did it himself, because yeah. today Attenborough definitely has, like, <laughs> someone assemble this egg for me, <laughs> money. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That'd be going to a junior runner on the set. <laughs> but the, going back to New Zealand and the mower... Uh, and the Haast seagull, when the moa were made extinct, the Haast seagull suddenly lost its source of food. And the idea is that perhaps the Haast seagull, once the moa had been wiped out, started focusing on hunting humans instead, which I imagine is maybe the birth of this 
Legend and myth, exactly. Legend. Yeah, really pretty... Just imagine being hunted from the sky. Well, have you seen the clips? There's a few um, videos on YouTube mm. of toddlers being picked up by eagles uh, and there flown is. a little way before they're dropped. So I can fully see this. But I've got to. I've got, sorry, Lou. I've got to tell you, they're not real. Oh, no, what? They're not real. Oh. Sorry, I can't let that slide. I don't like kids that they much, do, so I got yeah. tired. <laughs> They do. That was a horrible thing to say. Kids are fine. No, I should say here the I don't want them eaten by eagles. I should say in here the way we're sat in the room is I could see the joy on Lou's face telling her, <laughs> and at the same time Jack just reached for his brow like crushed I'm my dreams. Have to pop a bubble here, but no. neither of them could see each other. Um, we could set up an experiment to see if. This could so, actually happen. Well, so it definitely could. That's the thing. Golden eagles are incredibly powerful things, and the way they will hunt things like mountain goats or whatever is they'll just grab their leg, drag them off the cliff, uh, and then let them go. So and let the fall kill them. Yeah, yeah, but they could they could easily lift up, you know, a small child or something like that. But yeah, they don't really come into the to the right kind of areas. And in general, they tend to try and avoid people where possible. But yeah, I have seen those videos, but. Oh, I'm actually, part of me is kind of glad. They get sent to me every now and then, and I'm like, no, sorry. <laughs> Jack being the keeper of bird knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to shatter people's illusions with ornithological accuracy. Yeah, like a harsh eagle talent through a human skull. <laughs> Last thing, though, just on lucky animals, and this is really quick, but I quite liked it, is crickets are viewed as lucky in a lot of cultures. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with the reason... Well, a little bit familiar with this one. Yeah? Yeah, I, I don't know originally where it started but they'd be kept as charms almost for like to, to take with you so I guess people were carrying around live crickets for good luck yeah. <laughs> yeah and the bit I find as to why they started and the reason I'm throwing it in because I think it's really cute is because they sing and don't harm anyone oh be nice. more cricket be more cricket <laughs> that is nice So it's time for that part of the show where we take one of nature's magnificent creatures and we pit it against Roddy Shaw and, in this case, the lovely Lou Hopper, in a fight to the death. Today's animal has been suggested by Megan McCubbin on Instagram, and it is the tiger shark. Let's get to know our foe. Found in many tropical and temperate waters around the world, we want to know size. We always go for the size. The largest females can measure up to five metres and can weigh up to 600 kilograms. Right. First of all, I know we're midway through this, but I just want to say, Megan, could you not? <laughs> <laughs> In exceptional cases, they have been known to get to 900 kilograms. They've got one of the widest diets of all shark species, eating pretty much everything. Crustaceans, fish, seals, birds, squid, turtles, sea snakes, dolphins, and even other smaller sharks. Broad, heavily calcified jaws with robust serrated teeth. Unique amongst sharks... Very sharp, pronounced serrations and an unmistakable sideways pointing tip, which has been developed to slice through flesh, bone and other tough substances such as turtle shells. They really like turtles. There's one study that shows up to 20% of tiger shark diet is turtle, so they've got a very strong bite. In addition, excellent eyesight, acute sense of smell and able to track even the faintest traces of blood. They're second only to the great white shark when it comes to human attacks. So... Lou Hopper, Roddy Shaw. How many tiger sharks is too many tiger sharks? Okay. What's the terrain? Well, like, which environment this is, this, this is going to dictate is the well, outcome? What I also want to work out really quickly is, 
of other things we've done, we haven't really done any other like, well, we did orcas, I guess. That's a super predator. Yes, so we've done orca. Yeah. You did come up with an answer for the orca. So I we can't remember what it was, but I came it up was with a that. baby. It was two baby orca in a paddling pool. Okay, <laughs> okay right. <laughs> and you know, I couldn't remember it, but damn it, I stand by it. And on the terrain, are we putting any rules to this? I mean, because I can't just say, oh, so, one yeah. million in the desert. Yeah, so with the, with, <laughs> yeah. with the orca, we had to concede at least some of a home field advantage, and that's why we gave them a bit of water with a paddling yeah. pool. Okay. Mm. So tiger sharks are obviously nowhere near as big. Nowhere near as big yeah. as an orca. And I feel like they but wouldn't still, be... I don't want to hold you too much to what you say, but you say <laughs> nowhere near as big. It's pretty fucking big. <laughs> okay. Orca do... Oh, a lot of teeth. One of the primary uh, predators of tiger sharks is orca. So Probably we've taken out gold, now we're going for silver. Right, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk terrain. I'm striking what? off paddling pool. We've already done paddling pool. Yeah. Do butlins... <laughs> have, like a water park have water yeah but the reason I'm leaning towards butlins is because not only is it going to have water park stuff mm. but they also have archery <laughs> <laughs> with like water slides yeah. all of that but then they've also got you know a bingo hall archery lots of old cigarette butts. Yeah. You know, we've got to use everything we've got. We might even be bringing mm. pollution into this, you know. It's like, we're going to go, we're going to the bingo hall, we're getting the yeah. ashtray, and yeah. it's like, have that tiger shark. If you eat everything, I feel like eat some of that. If you're fighting them in a pool in Butlins, then the pollution issue is already quite, <laughs> quite strong enough. Essentially, we're going for poison damage. I mean, how long would it take to kill a shark with chlorine? Oh. That's a good question. If you're in a pool. I know that one of the reasons they can't keep great whites in captivity aside from a lot of obvious reasons <laughs> you can't keep great whites in captivity but it's because they're so it's Ventura did it yeah, yeah well it wasn't him no, actually no, it was the mansion owner man. he no, thought no. Well, you know if we're gonna <laughs> coming to our studio <laughs> we're gonna have correct facts about films which are now incredibly dated when you watch them again and you realise ooh did we really laugh at that back in the day oh, that's not okay <laughs> anyway it's because the great whites, they're so sensitive to picking up electric um, stimulation mm. that the actual like lights that run the aquarium, Send machinery it. which does the aquarium, all the pumps and stuff, because they can pick up like the tiny electrical twitches in like their prey's muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual machinery which runs an aquarium like does their head in, and that's why they fail so much. Because oh. people have tried, and it's, it's that. They go like, ah! <laughs> and start like beating their head off the pumps and stuff. Oh. Yeah. So... However, saying that, though, if that same thing is happening with tiger sharks, then again, the water park, then it's picking up all the electrical signals, so again, yeah. it's even more confused. And when it comes to sharks, what's the things that you're supposed to do when you get attacked by a shark? This is one of the animals where there is an established code of defence <laughs> <where, laughs> when, when you are attacked by it. The three I've heard of is stick your thumbs in its eyes. Yeah. Pull its gills or close its gills. Oh, so, I've heard punch its gills. Yeah, yeah. I've heard punch like, from the inside. Yeah, is my, is <laughs> well, my favourite one. Or if you turn it upside down, apparently, is another one. Yes, because so you can you like turn, put them into stasis, almost so like a sleep state. So you can state. hypnotize yeah. sharks by turning them upside down. These are all factors I would like you to consider. And also, although the biggest ones can get nine hundred kilograms and five meters long, you can. Pick your size, you know, as we did with the baby orca. <laughs> okay, three meters. Okay, about a meter taller than you. Yeah. 
Lou and I stacked. Okay. <laughs> Are you yes. both? Yeah, so yes. you're both in this together. We're okay. both at Butlins. Okay, you're both at Butlins. Or Pontins, other... Seaside resorts are available. I'd love for anyone not in the UK to try and work out what Butlins and Pontins are, but anyway. <laughs> so we're there. The sharks are in the water. So they're just in the swimming pool. They're in the swim Well, yeah, for reasons I thought were obvious. Yes. They're just in the swimming pool. Yeah, no, but I, didn't, I didn't know if, we, if they were in. <laughs> they're like going down the flume. So yeah, well, I didn't know if they were. Playing in the like, water in cascade. The, yeah. Well, are they in go karting or rock climbing? <laughs> I was like, are they in the kids' pool? Are they in the, you know, are they in the spa pool where, you know, where there might be some different things at play? The parent tiger sharks have gone for, like, the evening's entertainment. There's a magician in. <laughs> They're watching Chico. Yeah, doing <laughs> exactly. Some washed-up X Factor singer. So Didn't see Jim Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Living his glory days. So it's a family of tiger sharks. Mummy shark, daddy shark, baby shark. No. We're not doing no. that. No, I realised, I realised, I realised as I started, I'm like, don't. Um... I we want to do more than the orca. I think we've got poison damage in the chlorine. We've got mm. all the electrics screwing their head in. Mm. We've got access to things like archery and <laughs> I don't know what else they have. Coconut shies. I don't. I started this with butlins. I just thought archery, but you could just throw chico at them. <laughs> <laughs> I think three between the two of you. Yes, because it would be fewer, but. A, I want to do more than the orcas because we've already taken out the king of the ocean or whatever. And then B, as a tag team, we've got a better chance. Yeah, I feel like as a team we'd have pretty good odds because there's two brains to outsmart a fairly primeval mm. animal. Mm. I, I think we Are you thinking do more than right. three? I, I think it'd take more than three. Okay. Yeah. Where are you at? If you say 100, then... <laughs> and are they all coming at you at once? They're going down the slide one by one. I also, though, want to, you know, be the hero of your own action movie. I want to go down a water slide and, like, kick one in the face as I shoot out the bottom. And, like, oh. bah, in the gills. I would go with, like, surfing on top of one. Oh. Well, you, like, have a yeah. beach towel through its mouth as reins. And you can charge into battle using their own team members against them. Ah, so it's so confused by the electrics. It's like, ah, I don't know what's happening. So then you grab yeah. it and it's like... Fucking you can fight just... each other. Okay, so more than three, so... Five? Yeah, we could do five. Five? We could totally do five. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone, for some reason, if they just turn the podcast on at this moment <laughs> and hear you guys just settling on the fact you're going to beat five tiger sharks... <laughs> Without the incredibly like, convoluted like scenario, we've brains over brawn. I could, think, like win in this scenario. I, th I think we've painted a pretty clear picture and set of reasons yeah. as to why doing it in a butlins yeah. both a isn't too unfair to the shark, <laughs> but b is unfair enough. Depends how traumatised they are by getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How long the car journey was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dad shark is just at his complete wits end. Are we there yet? Yeah. <laughs> had a question in and this is our chance to I think actually help someone who's creating an art project oh. and has asked us a question now I don't know how much we know about renaissance fairs everybody uh. but <laughs> the question, this question has come in from Emily Brunner mm -hmm. who says I know this is a long shot but I need some help I'm creating an art project that is asking the question if a group of endangered and threatened animals were to host a renaissance fair which animals would run which booths <gasps> So I have, so far, this is what she's got. Golden dart frog doing the poison shop. And, okay. and a pangolin I'm getting it armorer. Now. Okay. okay. So the pangolin's oh, running yeah. the armory. Yeah, I like that. So I said, this sounds cool. 
what other kind of stalls are there at yeah. these fairs so we get an idea. She said, anything medieval or fantasy themed is fair game. Lots of alcohol, jewellery, fortune tellers, flowers and herbs, leather goods, weapons, armour, pottery, musical instruments, etc. So we've got a lot to go at. She did say at the end, she's toying with the idea of having as the tavern owner a pentailed tree shrew as mm. they cannot become drunk so they ah. can keep the peace. Any ideas? I don't know. I... Can we start with fortune teller? Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I don't have anything. So <laughs> <laughs> you were setting yourself up then. No, I mean, I realise both of you look a bit just like, because they've got the poison and the armoury covered, which are two pretty pretty cool ones. I'm yeah, yeah. Annoyed they robbed that from us. But whatever. <laughs> well, fortune teller, I'm initially going to owl. However, yeah. I think it's too cliched. Mm, and the wise, the wise owl. owl. Yeah. Oh, fortune teller. Yeah. Aye, aye. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. Perfect. That is the perfect one. I can just imagine an I.I. sat in a darkened tent yeah. with, like, yeah. stars and the inside of and the... And the fingers uh, going around the yeah. uh, crystal ball. Instead yeah. of a crystal ball, you could have one of those deep-sea fish that can see through its own head and it just <laughs> looks like a crystal ball. That would be amazing. <laughs> I am immediately thought about... I don't know if they would have a booth at a fair, but I was thinking of old-timey Renaissance doctors that had, like, the masks on. Oh, plague masks. Plague masks, The yeah. plague masks. They were modelled off of crows. They were, like, rooks. Wouldn't it be great if they were actually, like, modelled on ducks and that's why they were called quacks? Hey! <laughs> also, way less intimidating. Instead yeah. of that great hooked leather yeah, thing, just, like just a... bright yellow bill coming out. <laughs> Aren't they? Um, wasn't it because the beak was stuffed full of thyme or some kind of herb? To mask the different? smell of the yeah. dead and dying. Yeah. So my suggestion for that would obviously just be to stick in a crow. Instant thought I've just had um, that's just coming to my head when she says flowers and herbs. Mm-hmm. You familiar with peekers? Yeah. It's like a weird guinea piggy rabbity. It's like a tiny little, yeah, small rabbit that lives up in alpine areas. And, and like rocks and prairies. Yeah. And they collect hay and dried flowers and take it back to the burrow. Yes. And like store it. And yeah, sorry, I love all this shit so much. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. They create, basically, because the summer up in the mountains is so short, they have to gather vast amounts of winter food. And they spend the summer essentially racing around these alpine uh, meadows, collecting flowers, collecting grasses, and then piling it under these rocks in massive stockpiles. But um, shots that you often see of them on TV is them just with their mouths chocked full of wildflowers. Oh, so that was herbs herbs and flowers. I would like to nominate the pika. That's yeah. a really good shout. Bakers. I'd like to nominate on a similar thing, hamsters, because they gather loads of seeds and then they can grind Ooh, them all up and I get their flour. I would have gone with, like, I mean, technically already bees already make a thing, but you know how bumblebees can heat things up? They could surround their loaf <laughs> and then cook their loaf within... Bread cooked by bees. Yeah. 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 They could boil their own bread with yeah. their body heat. Yeah. Yeah. I like cool. that. So normally at Renaissance fairs, you'd have a music booth or something mm-hmm. selling yeah. instruments. Yeah, so there's one music instruments. I would have a cobra selling flutes. That's oh. nice. Yeah. The problem is, though, every time it gives it to someone, goes, someone goes, can I try out that flute? And the cobra goes, yeah, sure, just <laughs> yeah, have a blow on it. As soon as it does, it's just like hypnotised. It's a dancing and demonstration. Like, <laughs> and, then and, then they, and then they just walk off with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gets robbed. I want a octopus magician. 
Yep. <laughs> Just contorting Which itself. Which cups it in? And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the cup, where's the ball? So what we're missing so far is we've done fortune tellers flowers. Leather goods, pottery, uh, jewellery. There's some more. Oh, jewellery. What about jewellery? Magpie. Ooh. Yeah. Would you have, like, termites for pottery? Yeah. I quite like that. Oh, yeah. That's great. And again, they... um you know, kind of manage the heat in the mounds yeah. and stuff so they can, like, kill oven. Maybe they could hook of. up with the bees as well. Yeah. Just a yeah. fucking drunk anteater stumbling out of the <laughs> yeah, tavern yeah, yeah, and yeah. just ripping open the termites. <laughs> <laughs> Leather goods can't be a cow. Would like it a be cow. like... That would be... If this is run <laughs> by cool. animals, would they not be, like, using humans? <laughs> would it be oh. a human leather? Oh, that's weird. That's... <laughs> Yeah, but I don't hate Sorry, it. No, I, we keep I don't, really I don't dark hate places. it. No, I really don't hate it. It's a great question. In so which case, what animal would be selling human leather? Well, in which case, surely it would be cows because it would be like uh, yeah, the revenge. boots on the other foot now. Yeah, yeah. It does say actually. I, I, going back to the, the question, Emily just specifically asked for endangered and threatened animals were to host a Renaissance fair. Oh, oh okay. So, uh, so it's got to be endangered and leather. Because it's either going to be something leather adjacent or something with hands. It can't be a horse. Like, you can't have hooves. You know what I mean? To work leather. Yeah, it needs to have some level of hand. Uh So, something with thumbs. Something with thumbs. Gorillas have got very leathery hands. Yes, artisan (laughs) leather goods made by a gorilla. That's what I want. Because I bet he'd be really proud of his craft. Just happy that you're appreciating. Even if you don't buy anything, he's just really glad <laughs> you were like... Mannered. Yeah, glad humble. Yeah, 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 exactly. Thanks for looking at my belts, you know. <laughs> or an orangutan. I'll take either gorilla or orangutan for leather. Something sniff. about gorilla is more leathery to me. I feel like they would have more upper body strength in, mm. like, you know, like, leather working. Yeah. It's like, obviously orangutans are, like, swinging all day and then carry their own body weight. But I don't know, I just feel like a gorilla mm. would be able to, like, hold and work with the a, tough with a, fabrics. Like a craft apron <laughs> with the little tools. I think orangutans are a bit too kind of wizened and away with the fairies <laughs> and these kind of wild men of the woods to really concentrate on some kind of craft like that. Okay, then the orangutan's doing wicker furniture. <laughs> 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 Something to really take his time with. I want a Chinese giant salamander to do something, but I don't know what that thing is. I haven't worked it out. Maybe a soup kitchen. <laughs> so, something to do with soup. I've got soup. They're a very soupy animal. It has animal. to be a humid atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's got to be a... Working in the soup tent. A, a bleh. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that is, but it has to be a bleh. Could he be running, like, a steam tent, like a sauna? Yes. Do you have, like, beavers doing your laundry, oh. and they can, like, sm- or carpet cleaning... Surely they'd be carpentry, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. That's true. I kind of just want to see them do something with their tails, though. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza chefs. (laughs) 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 Pizza, uh, pizza. lots of those in Renaissance fairs. Well, all right, wood fire oven. Wood fire oven beavers because they've got the slappy tail to get whatever. And the, they get to work with wood still. See, it's perfect. Synergy. There you go, <laughs> Sorry, why did we do that? An art project. Emily said, I'm creating an art project. So is this going to become like an illustration or something? Or is I, she going to be so. forcing animals to do <laughs> <Yeah>. this? <laughs> yeah, like in a theatre somewhere. We didn't check It's visual like art. A performance piece. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we've now condemned <laughs> nature's rarest. 
<laughs> but yes, Emily, we would very much like to see any outcome of this, especially if it's a performance piece. 100%. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week and for Lou for coming back, or really it was more staying here. (laughs) It was all done in in a day. To peel back the curtain, we are recording this second outro immediately after we've recorded the first outro. We're really showing you how the sausage is made here. (laughs) But it's been wonderful having you, just as it was when I said it five minutes ago. (laughs) Thank you for coming and sitting in this sweaty, small little box and talking to us for an entire afternoon. It has been so worth it and so much fun. Thank Thank you so much for having me. No worries. And is there anything you want to plug? That seems um, to be the thing. I suppose, uh, yeah, just check me out on Instagram. There might be something you're interested in, whether it's tattooing or doing lots of podcasts or actually I have a very fun project coming up, but it's still sort of secret at the moment. Mm. So I'm just going to leave that hanging in the yeah. air as I watch this space. There's something cool coming up. And it's <laughs> Louisa underscore Hopper underscore tattoo for anyone who wants to check around. Yeah. And it is a fantastic page. It's amazing. Like, it thank is you. like some of the artwork is it's it's so good. But thank you very much and thank you everyone for listening. Do as you always do. Share it. Write questions to us. All that good stuff. Um, And we'll be back again next week. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.